Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. I love this song. This is Sorry Again. And one of my favorite things about 90s alternative rock were all those stellar chick-fronted indie bands. There were tons of them at the time. And one of my favorites of those bands were DC's Velocity Girl. They're the ones who sing this song, Sorry Again. And their lead singer is this week's guest, Sarah Shannon. Now they put out three albums in the early to mid 90s, and then they broke up. They remained more of sort of a buzz band than a true breakout. She, uh, after they broke up, put out a couple solo albums, uh, different in style. Honestly, the musical career kind of started to slow down. She got married, moved to Seattle. But eventually she got involved in what she's doing now, which is, this sounds funny, but it's not, a kids rock band called the Not It's. It's basically that same 90s alternative sound, only they're singing about children's things. I've always really liked Sarah's voice. I think it's so clear and beautiful. I thought it'd be really interesting to get to know her. One thing I thought was fascinating is that she's around my age. She's in her 40s and she's the mother of two young girls. And I thought, as a former rock chick there in the throes of it all, what do you tell young girls, your children? What do you tell? What do you not tell? What stories do you tell? How do you raise them up? What do you encourage them to achieve? And what do you discourage them from going after? I thought it'd be an interesting perspective. I really like Sarah a lot. She called me from her home in Seattle. I also sure. love the idea of connecting with people and finding out how they have moved on in life and, you know, have they stayed connected with music? You know, how do right. you make, you know, some people can make a living in the music industry in other ways. So I think it's a really interesting kind of important thing to know for your young musicians, frankly. It's I agree. like, you know, that you've got your pipe dreams. Now's the time to pursue them as a young person and just know that, uh, you know, should the vision you had when you were 19 not come to fruition exactly as you saw it then, you know, it can, it can turn out a different way that's just as yep. fulfilling. Yeah, yeah so I, I, like, I like what you're doing. Oh, good. Thank you. It's been interesting. Some people have kind of come to terms with their past and some haven't really. And you can tell some people still long for it and some yeah. it's just, you just never know, you know. And I think it's interesting, too, not that unfortunately Velocity Girl was not necessarily in the situation, but let's say you had a hit in 1984 right. and then you disappeared. How do right. you, can you live off the money you made from that hit in 1984. And if you can, right. what do you do then for the rest, you know, how do you yeah. maintain career? Anyway, I just think yeah, that, that stuff was... is interesting. And so I try to track down people who I think might have interesting stories. Cool. Well, so... now I'm going to listen to all of your podcasts. Cause I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm you're so, so sweet. <laughs> I'm so interested in, in all of that, you know. And oh, it's, you're it's so like, sweet. It's stuff that I'd like to tell my kids, too, really. It's a very cool thing. I appreciate you saying that. So I usually kick these things off with telling the person I'm talking to how I discovered them. And okay. you're you're a very specific situation. So I'll tell you, I grew up in Salt Lake City, and I grew up Mormon. And when I yeah. was 19 years old, I went on one of those Mormon missions for two years. Yeah. You've seen the Mormon missionaries out there, of right? Course. Yeah. So, and I got home in the spring of 1994. And when you're on your mission for two years, you're not allowed to listen to music or go to the movies or read books or go on dates or watch television or anything that you would do as a regular. Yeah. And you can't, you can't, you can't do read a book. 
they would need to be like church or religious books, you know. Hmm. I think I read that everything I need to know in life I learned in kindergarten or whatever, which was a big book at the time. Anyway, uh-huh. like self-help kind of things, inspirational, sure. but not, I wouldn't have read, you know, Catcher in the Rye or something like that right, on, my, right. on, my, on my mission. So I get home in the spring of 1994, and in that summer I move out to Provo, Utah to start going to college in the fall, yeah. and I get a job in a record store called Pegasus. And the guys who work there, you know how it is when you work retail in a record store. Someone's manning the music that you're hearing. And the guys that work there were really into Simpatico, the second Velocity yeah. Girl album. And I just fell in love. And it's still to this day one of my very favorite albums ever, let alone of like the 90s. And I was thinking specifically, and it was especially sweet because I, could, I hadn't listened to anything for two years. So I'm, I'm soaking up anything I can that's new and like what have I missed and what's out there and what's new. There's something about the music you're forced to listen to when you work retail. You know what I mean? <laughs> it either it either burrows so deeply in your bones that you love it or you cannot stand it. I I imagine all those people who worked like at Old Navy in the nineties probably have like PTSD from having right. to hear those same songs over and over. But uh, so there's some that I can't stand from that era, and there's some like the Cranberries. I never got into them, but I loved Simpatico, and we listened to that all the time. So that's how I got to know you and have been in love ever since. Oh, that's great. And I I imagine there's a sort of extrasensory, like you said, having been sort of deprived of you know, music or reading or or anything, and all of a sudden when when you're soaking stuff in again – you're really soaking it in. That must have yeah. been really cool. It was. And the whole kind of grunge, all that, you know, that transformation happened basically while I was gone. So it was a completely different world when I came back, and I'm kind of trying to soak it all in. I eventually saw you guys. You came and played a show, a festival called the Big Ass Show, okay. I think in around 1996. And it in was, Utah? Uh, yeah, in Utah. And they called it the Big Ass Show? Okay. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? Uh, it was called the Big Bash, but Bash stood for Big Ass Show. Okay. So that was probably their way to be subversive without being right. subversive. But you don't remember that? You don't remember ever playing Utah? Uh, you know, I do remember playing Utah. The shows tend to blend together because we played uh-huh. so many of them. You know, we toured so much for those three albums that we put out on Sub yeah. And even a little bit before that, but I do remember playing Utah. But unfortunately, the or maybe fortunately, the my the strongest memory is not of the show, but of being at a restaurant and having the waiter stand there while I drank. We like ordered shots or something, and they had to stand there. Like it's there's those weird. Uh-huh. Freaking rules. <laughs> right, right. So I wish yeah. I remember that show. I really do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I'll I'll live. I think uh, also at that, I think I saw Luscious Jackson on yeah. the same stage as you, like later in the day. Yeah. And that dog, I believe. I mean, the '90s were like the yeah, sweetest. Yeah. Remember them? That was yeah, the golden yeah. age of. No offense, but chick-fronted rock bands. That's yeah, what my buddies I, and I all call them, right? Yeah. Lush and Elastica and uh, Letters to Cleo and all those great bands that you guys were a part of. Yeah. There were so many right then. Yeah. Do you remember there was a fanzine in the 90s called Chick Factor? No. Um, 
Yeah, so that was a fanzine out of D.C., and it was sort of the name came from the fact that there were so many chick-fronted bands. (laughs) So they called it Chick Factor. There's still a generation of us, guys like me, who have an immediate soft spot for any poppy, rocky band fronted by a woman with a with a clear voice like yours. Yeah. In fact, a buddy of mine, I was turning a friend of mine on to a newer band called Wolf Alice that is a uh-huh. rock band with a girl lead singer. And my buddy was like, man, there's just something about a girl fronting a pop rock band that is the best. And it really is. There's generations of us that will never get over it. We love it so much. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, there's some good stuff now, too. So I hope that you don't have to yeah. just live in the past. No. <laughs> yeah. Very true. I was curious, though, in preparation for our conversation, I w- was kind of looking up a lot of old reviews and old commentary and stuff like that on, I mean, forgive me, but Simpatico to me is my favorite. That's the benchmark for a Velocity Girl to me. I don't know how people, I have all the albums, but I don't know how people view them all. But apparently mm-hmm. that thing got some criticism when it came out because it was too clean, too poppy mm-hmm. compared to Copacetic, right? Yeah. That's right, um, and it's, it's my favorite record as well. Good. I like Clean okay. and Poppy. So <laughs> Me too. I think we heard that criticism, but didn't, it didn't bother us too much. Okay, because good. Because we, you know, uh, becoming better songwriters and better yeah. players, you know, better with our instruments, and we made the conscious effort to step it up a notch production-wise as well. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think we were bothered by that criticism. I can't speak for the other band members, but that's my favorite record of those Good. three. And, okay. you know, I'm pretty sure that they're they're all still proud okay. of that record as well. Good. Street cred is kind of a dumb thing. And, I mean, as you're excelling as musicians and artists, those people who were there at the beginning get kind of chuffed at it, like, hey, where's the band that we like? You know, why are you selling right. out or whatever? But to me, it's a clear improvement, not a sellout move. You know, it's not a commercial move. It's an improvement of what you guys are already good at. That's what I think. Right, and part of the reason we were so more grungy and noisy was because we couldn't play our instruments as well. Right, right. a nice way to mask that for sure yeah and the songs are sharper and better and anyway that's my feeling so i'm curious though about you personally because you weren't the original lead singer but it seems like and correct me if i'm wrong because one of the downsides of wanting to talk to bands where there's not a ton of information out there is sometimes i don't always get my story straight 
were you already playing in bands and got recruited to be in Velocity Girl, or were you sort of fresh? I was completely freshly plucked. <laughs> I had no, yeah, no, I had never been in bands. I was studying opera in college. Whoa. And I went to school with Jim and Kelly and I think Archie. I think we all went to University of Maryland. Maybe not okay. Archie. See, it's, it's hard for me to remember. It was definitely Jim. Jim was the one, our drummer, who, who recruited me. Uh-huh. And we had known each other in college at the University okay. of Maryland. And he knew I was a singer, and I, you know, I, I was never in bands, but I was always showing up at, at shows in D.C., uh-huh. at D.C. Space and the old 930 Club. And right. So uh, he okay. knew I was a singer and that I was interested in that kind of music. Huh. So you yeah, didn't so grow up necessarily with, like, rock star dreams. In your eyes. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> oh, you did. Okay. Well, that's what I was driving at. If, yeah. So, are you starting to realize those dreams when you joined Velocity Girl? Absolutely. So, I came out of high school and you know just rolled right into college. I wanted to study music, and really, all they had at at um, University of Maryland was opera. And you know, I didn't. I like opera, but mm-hmm. mostly I just wanted to learn about music and you know better my my voice. Okay. Um, learn about so singing opera was more a, a means to an end, not necessarily the end Correct. Goal. Like I was telling you earlier, the sort of pipe dream in high school was I wanted to be some sort of combination, an amalgam of Madonna, Chrissy Hine, and Patti Smith yeah. all rolled into yeah. one. There you go. That's a good <laughs> one. Yes, that is you. That's true. <laughs> right on. Well, because your voice is such, I love your voice. And in fact, we, I want to get more into the not it's later, but I didn't know about them until I started researching you for this because I, I keep a list of people I want to talk to and you've been on there for a long time. And I finally was like, okay, I got to devote some time to finding where Sarah Shannon went. Then I find the not it's. And it was so good to hear your voice again because all mm. I knew were the three Velocity Girl albums, right? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, thank goodness there's more out there. Because yeah. it's this beautiful, clear, and that's the word that keeps coming up for you guys, clear and clean, I'm noticing. And that's yeah. very true with your voice. I don't I don't know that I would have ever placed it with opera, but I'm really right. glad you found the right outlet for you because it's perfect, right? Yeah, I think, I think the opera technique definitely honed in on that kind of tone for sure. I do think that, you know, getting older and, you know, just, constantly playing shows and uh, my voice is definitely not I'm not going to say it's better or worse but it's not what right. it was when we made Simpatico okay. <laughs> you uh, know it's like I've, I've uh, lost a few few of those sure. higher notes and you know that sort of clarity that you're talking about I mm-hmm. you know I hope it's still there for the so. most part but I you know it might it's like it's definitely your voice ages just sure. like the rest of your body does of so yeah it's a it's different yeah but it was still very clearly you it was still oh, this recognition of like oh i know this voice i love this voice so oh, I, yeah it's still there it's still there good. one th- so two things number one let's do, i want to one more question about your voice that for copacetic and even my forgotten favorite which is probably yeah. where most people know you because of the clueless soundtrack
voice is buried so deep in the mix of those of that album that you can barely hear you. And I yeah. didn't know if that was on purpose, if that was a stylistic choice, if someone was mad at you. What was the deal <laughs> with what was the deal with that? Why make that choice? You know, that wasn't my choice and I had I had a you know, been more secure with you know, sort of expressing my own opinions, I probably would have piped up, so to speak, and said, right. you know, raise the vocals in the mix. But I was really, I was fairly insecure. But, you know, I definitely wasn't bullied into having my the vocals be low. I just, honestly, the, that's sort of what the aesthetic was mm. coming into yeah, it. it. You know, the guys yeah, were right. listening to a lot of my Bloody Valentine and right. Caroline records. Yeah, stuff, that's how know, they where do they, it. Where it's sure. just noisy, noisy guitars and very yeah. buried vocals. Okay. So I was kind of like, you know, here I joined this band that had the sound. Uh, uh, on one hand, I didn't necessarily want to mess with it. On the other hand, I really was so wet behind the ears, I didn't really know what I was yeah. doing. Yeah, okay. And, you know, I certainly... Kind of easing you in to yeah. what yeah. woman status. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, uh, we mentioned Clueless. Going back, I don't know if I ever, and maybe my, I don't know how unique my my experience was. I don't think I I ever heard Velocity Girl on the radio, unfortunately. And I don't mm-hmm. know that I ever saw one of your videos. Oh, really? And that's why, that, yeah, and that's why maybe I just wasn't watching at the right times or I missed uh-huh. it or whatever. But or it was bigger. And I mean, you know, Salt Lake City, who cares about Salt Lake City? Yeah. Maybe in other places you were killing it. But that's what was so unique about that record store experience, because if that hadn't happened, I, I don't know that I ever would have found Velocity Girl, other than I love the Clueless soundtrack, right. and I love that song, and that that's, you know, maybe the the only re- piece that any of evidence that anyone has of you. And, and it, was it different in other places? Were you getting the kind of recognition in other places that I just wasn't seeing or hearing? Yeah, it was different. Okay. Um you know, we, I don't know, did you have MTV? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Well, we would get played uh, every once in a while on 120 Minutes, you know. Okay, way, that's what I way, way up in the sort of nosebleed yeah. hours. Not, you know, we weren't really in, a, in heavy rotation, but we did get some, a little bit of play on there. Um, but, so in D.C., we had this radio station called WHFS, and they mm-hmm. played us all the time. Of course, good, so, okay, you know, good. We, Big. Yeah, we, yeah, it was a pretty influential station, yeah. you know, nationally. So mm-hmm. I think that gave us a lot of cachet, you know. But yeah, I, I can see that it, we we wouldn't, we definitely just wouldn't really make it to certain markets, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, uh, I think we, you know, we got some good play in major markets. I'm not trying to call good. your market minor, no, but <laughs> it, it is, it's minor. Do you minor know what I mean? It, you know, yeah. we, that's where we good. scored. Uh, we Good. toured the, okay. big, the big cities, and that's where we got. That's I think where we got the most play. Good. Okay. That's what I wanted. I'm glad to hear that actually, because I didn't want. I wanted to make sure you guys were getting out there. So one of the things I mentioned earlier that we talk a lot about sensitively, as sensitively as we can, is the money side of things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Did you guys write my forgotten favorite for Clueless, or were you approached? and asked if you could have that song. And then because regular people like me don't understand the music business very mm-hmm. well, 
do you get a little something every time Clueless is on TV? Because it's on TV a lot. Yes. So we had written that song independently of knowing about the movie, and we got asked to have it be put on the soundtrack, and we said yes in, Uh you know, a millisecond. I get royalty checks every quarter, and that is definitely my most, the most lucrative. Really? uh, Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge amount of money, but, like, every quarter I'll, you know, I might get 100 bucks or 200 bucks just from Clueless, and that's pretty extraordinary. Good, good, good. Yeah. Okay. That is fascinating. Do you know how you got picked to be on there? Because there's some bigger names. Radiohead's on there, Coolio from back in the day. You know, there's some, I think the Beastie Boys are on there. How did you guys end up, you're one of the smaller bands on that soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I think it's just some some music supervisor, whoever the music supervisor was, was a fan. You know, it was a big movie, so maybe the music supervisor's assistant (laughs) knew about us. You know, I just think we got lucky. And, you know, we were on Sub Pop at the time, so uh-huh. we definitely Big had name. some sure. cachet in yeah. that regard. You know, they might have wanted some sort of hipster representation. Right. That's how Good. it happened. Okay. So you still make a little money off that. Every now and then, every quarter, you can treat yourself to a nice dinner or something like that. From <laughs> exactly. From your clueless money, right? Great. Exactly. No, Good. wonderful. <laughs> Okay, so then going back to the beginning, you are plucked out of obscurity to become the front woman for this band, and things are starting to kind of swell in a grassroots way locally there around D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a regular job that you, you know, went in one day and quit? Were you like mm-hmm. a hostess at a Chili's, and you're like, screw you guys, I'm going to go be a rock star? Yeah. What, what, was there a moment like that? Well, there was no screw you moment, but I, so I had had this job hilariously since high school. I worked at Sears. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I, I honestly loved it and they really were quite flexible with me. They would give me the hours that I wanted and um, I had some really good friends there. And so I had that job. It wasn't a big to do when I quit Uh and I wasn't, I, I had never worked there full-time, luckily, you know, because we just, we really rolled out of college and straight into the, the Velocity Girl ride. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, yeah, we all just had, I think some of us, some of us might have had full-time jobs, but it happened pretty quick after college. So I think none of us really had time to sort of like establish a career or even get footing on a career before the... Velocity Girl train started okay. rolling down the track. But for yeah, for, for but for a while there, your job was to be a full time musician, right? Kind of living yes. the dream. Yes. Was that now? Some people, you know, that sounds like that sounds like a really decadent thing. But if mm-hmm. you're kind of a struggling rock band or a fringe or indie rock band, that doesn't necessarily come with like big money and big glitz and glam. Sometimes you're right. even worse off financially than you were when you had a regular job before. Yeah. Were you guys sort of successful but also living in squalor, or were you doing okay and everyone's kind of still, you're living the dream and it's good enough for you? We were doing okay. Especially, okay. you know, it was during the the, the boom sure years was. in the 90s for the music industry, and Sub Pop was doing really well. I can't remember if they had been bought by Warner Brothers at that time. 
and they were flush with cash. But we, you know, we got a good signing bonus, and we okay. we had an accountant. We doled it out. You know, it, good. I think it ended up being like I don't know. We each got gave ourselves nine hundred dollars a month or something, which at the time was was amazing. You know, I could. I think my rent was three hundred dollars. Oh, that's great. Um, and that left you me buy a cute outfit like, once in a while. To, yeah, and, to live yeah. a life. So it was yeah. really, it was extraordinary. I don't think Good. that happens anymore. I don't think that happens anymore. No, I don't think it does and either. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Good. For sure. Now I got to ask you a personal question, and mm-hmm. hopefully this isn't too weird or anything. But okay. I've almost a lot of the lately I've been interviewing more women. And I'm glad because I'm always trying to get more women on the show, and. In in a lot of cases, there's a relationship happening with them and someone else in the band, and uh-huh. when the relationship goes sour, the band grinds to a halt. Was there right. anything like that going on in Velocity Girl? No, nothing like that oh. going on. You know, Jim and, Jim and I sort of briefly dated before okay. Velocity Girl, but no, nothing like that. Okay. Okay. The band. I mean, I did you know get married and moved to Seattle, which I think yeah. I got married to somebody not in the band, <laughs> uh, right, which I right. think certainly contributed to the the breakup of the band. But no, no sort of uh, inner band okay. drama like that. You you know this. You and Archie's harmonies are just magical. They're beautiful, right? Thank you. And Thank they you. are. It's like this secret weapon or this beautiful concoction of two chemicals coming together, making this powerful thing. You know, then suddenly a band like yours ends. And, I, and apparently that third album from everything I'm reading was kind mm-hmm. of dramatic to produce in the first place. And I'm thinking, is the beauty in those harmonies starting to get sour behind the scenes and they're dating mm-hmm. and they're breaking up and oh, that's what's uh, making everything <laughs> fall apart? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a real, these are the rock uh, star stories that we hear about, you know. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. So Archie and I, you know, we weren't super close. You know, we I don't think we disliked each other, but we, you know, kind of didn't really know how to communicate with each other. Okay. So it's so interesting that we harmonically and sonically sounded so lovely together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and I think that that happens. You know, we, you know. We were by no means fighting or squabbling or okay. or enemies. We just sort of didn't quite know how to communicate with each other. I don't know any okay. other way any other way to put it. You know, okay. I think we always liked each other. I don't know. Do you keep in touch with the band very much these days? Only through Facebook, sadly. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's it, for a lot of yeah. us. You know, it's kind of it's a great way actually to stay in touch and to see what they're doing and how their families are growing. Yeah. And, you know, my parents still live in D.C. Uh, and 
I go there, you know, once every couple of years, and sadly, my time is just so. Yeah. I only I have know. a week there, and I've just got to, I've got to cram in the family time, and of I course. would, I would love to see the band, but. Yeah. There's not a lot of time. Well, it sounds like everyone's kind of comfortable with this level of friendship, and you know. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I think they're all still pretty close. They all live still live oh, in okay. the DC area, and they okay. they see each other quite often. Was you getting married and moving to Seattle, was that like the nail in the coffin? Was it already kind of on the way to the end? Were you making a statement when you did that? What's the story there? Well, I was interested in continuing, but I think that was a major factor. As I recall, you know, this is such a long time ago. Sure, of course. I remember one of the big things was Brian said he wanted to quit for various reasons, and I think we just all decided to call it quits. You know, the the bubble okay. was starting to burst on the yeah. sort of 90s music industry. Yeah. And, yeah, we just okay. called it quits. But, yeah, okay. I think definitely my, my moving to Seattle played a, played a pretty big part in that. Was some of the desire to quit and the bubble bursting or whatever, I mean, if Velocity Girl had been maybe more successful, I'm not criticizing the level of success you had. Mm-hmm. I just mean that if it had been even more so or on another level, would people mm-hmm. have been less inclined to quit and move on? Or, hey, guys, we're still doing really well and we're still right. selling and we're still playing. Let's keep this going. Or was it really like, I don't care how popular we get, I, mm-hmm. I really can't do this anymore? I can't say for sure, but I okay. believe that if there had been a, yeah, if, there, if we had reached a higher level of success, I think we definitely would have thought about continuing. I mean, you know, it's, it's also about making a living. If, if we were making a good living, I think it would have been harder to step away from. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing regarding the heyday back then, Mm -hmm. the, I can't stop smiling video directed by Mm -hmm. Spike Jones at the height of Spike Jones power. Correct. Yes. Again, going back to that my or, That or being John Malkovich. I can't decide which one is the highest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. What, what's, the, what's the bigger artistic statement? The Velocity right. Girl video or, yes. Uh, but, no, this is, you know, he's doing the Breeders and he's doing Bjork and he's, the you know, he's the hot Fatboy Slim. He's the hot video director around this time. Yeah. And, again, going back to my stupid ignorance where I don't remember seeing Velocity Girl videos very often. Was yeah. that, when you got him to direct your video, 
Yeah. Was that a really big deal? Was it like a strategic move? Like, look, we're going to get this hot guy to direct us, and that's going to catapult us into another level? Or was it not thought out that way? It did feel like a big deal to us. I'm not sure how strategic it was as far as this guy is going to take us to the next level. I just think, yeah. you know, at the time, Sub Pop had the money, and they were willing to put it behind the band and you know okay. that that's you know people were looking for cool directors he was yeah. a cool director he was available I, I don't think it was too terribly strategic but i you know okay i do think that everyone involved thought well this is this will be a good thing for the band were there i mean did it raise your profile at all i don't remember but or was <laughs> it kind of you know just another video or you know what? I think it was just another video. Okay. You, you can check me on that. I don't know, but I think it was just just another video. Well, I was just curious about that part. So now you're married, and Velocity Girl comes to an end, and you move to Seattle. And forgive me, are you still married? So not to that guy. So that the That's marriage didn't stick, but the the city did. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I I have I have been married now for it will be let's see eleven years in June. Okay. To my husband, Pat, and okay. we have two girls. Josie and Josie not, and Nora. That's it. Oh. And I only know that because it's on the Not It's website, not because of anything strange or weird. Yeah, right. That's no, fine. You're stalking okay. me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing like that. Okay. Uh, okay. So when yeah. you moved to Seattle, though, and you're no – I mean, is there a – one of the thing I, things I find really interesting are the transitions – in the careers, that moment from Sears to Rockstar and then from Rockstar to whatever, you know, kind of the other side of the hill. Was there, yeah. there, had, was there a moment when you were like, okay, I guess I'm not going to make a living as a rock star anymore. I've got to be right. a regular person, you know? Yeah, so that came pretty slowly for me. I, I really still wanted to do it. I was, you know, I wanted to make music, whether that was being in a band or doing it on my own. So I had a brief, Jim and I briefly, Jim the drummer from Velocity Girl and I briefly uh, formed another band called Starry Eyes. Keep you reading really, about that. Yeah. Is there anything? Did you put out any music? I think we put out an uh, either a single or an or an EP. <laughs> I can't remember. He was willing to do the the bi coastal thing, and so that okay. worked sort of briefly, but you know fizzled out. So then after that, I I made my first solo record. Heaven. 
dream for me. I really okay, wanted good. that. Like, okay, you know, yeah. this could this could happen for me. You know, I I'm I was really yes feeling hopeful. I was like, good. I'll tour. I'll yeah. You know, maybe I'll get some uh, radio play. Maybe I'll do a video. Yeah. You know, but it was all self-funded. So, mm. you know that that's always difficult. So I did that, and it okay. you know, I got some some positive reception, and maybe a little radio play here in Seattle. And I, I can't remember if HFS was still around at the time. Okay, I think they were defunct at the time, but um, yeah, yeah. So it was really, you know, I'm never yeah. going to call it a, a failure. It was a creation of mine and yeah. I, you know, I'm very proud of it. So right. Good. Okay. would I have loved to have, you know, been, I don't know, PJ Harvey level success? Yeah. Yes. yeah there you go. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's what I wanted. I wanted, Okay. <laughs> but it didn't happen. So I yeah. made another record just cause that's what I do. Right. reception and did my best to promote it. That time I actually had a label put it out, Minty Fresh. Yeah, great label. Based in Chicago, yes. Sure. Um, and you know, they they yeah. helped a lot as well. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't reach okay. the level that I had hoped it would. Right. And that's when the transition started to kids music. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah. Now well, yeah? here I wanna yeah, I do. Let me I wanna ask you about the solo stuff real quick. Yeah. First of all, I don't know if you know this. On Spotify, there's only one Sarah Shannon album on there, City Morning uh-huh. Song, which I've listened yeah. to, but the yeah. cover art for it is for your first album. I don't know who you need oh. to talk to to get oh, that fixed. Yeah, but that's so interesting. I'm just letting you know. I need to know. talk to somebody, don't I? Thank you. Very confusing. So yeah, i got to figure I've, that out. So I've heard City Morning Song, I have not heard the first one. City Morning Song is more jazzy, loungy. Was that mm-hmm. what the first album was like as well? Uh, yeah, it was similar. Okay. Pretty jazzy, you know, singer-songwriter-y. songwriter-y. Okay. They are just sure. coined a new word. Um, Tim Carroll <laughs> King. Was yeah, it's great. On my, on my mind. Yeah. 
at that time, that type stuff. Okay, good. Yeah, it's really good. The solo albums come out and they do what they do and it's not enough for you to feel like I can continue doing this. And then what, how does the not ends happen? My husband and I have a group of friends, and we all started having kids around the same time. And we, part of my our, my connection with my husband is he was in bands as well in the '90s oh, and uh, okay. put out records. And so uh, many of our friends are musicians, and we were all in the same space of, you know, having been in touring rock bands and put out records, and now we're having kids and settling down and, you know, getting quote unquote real jobs. And so uh-huh. after City Morning Song came out, I'm talking with someone from Minty Fresh and I'm just like, yeah, I really, I just don't know. I, I'm not really sure yeah. what to do going forward. You know, I want to make music. My time is, I definitely don't have as much time or energy. Sure. I'm not, I'm thinking touring is not going to fit in with my yeah. life right now and it just so happened that minty fresh had a sort of subsidiary label called mini fresh and they had put out a record by ralph covert who is a children's artist who goes by the name ralph's world So they they had had some great success with that. So he's like, why don't you try making kids music? And so I sort of presented this to my friends. We're like, yeah, let's do it. So we started doing it. And one of my good friends, Danny, our guitar player in the Nautic, Danny Adamson, just happens to be one of the most motivated (laughs) 
people I know. And Good. he really, I mean, he just made it happen so quickly. He's like, okay, let's start practicing. You know, okay, nice. I've set this, this date for recording. We need to start writing wow. songs, you know, and yeah. that is not my personality. <laughs> I really, I, I really had to work hard to get myself regimented for those two solo albums. Being a new mom and having somebody take on that role was really, really positive for me and for the band. Great. So we just we just started rolling into it, and you know we asked Mini Fresh if they wanted to put it out. They declined. Hmm. They do get the props for giving us the idea, but so it turned out that was a that was a blessing because we started rolling into this and were sort of at the forefront of this um, independent children's music movement. Here yeah. in Seattle and nationally, it just started rolling and it started kind of, you know, just like, so it just was so easy to get shows, you know? Yeah. Wow. We, now, yeah. shows, I mean, are they like children's birthday parties or are they bigger than that? What What's the kind of show that you're playing? Right. Well, initially we would do birthday parties if asked, okay. but we've discovered okay. they're not they're not so great for us. And also people really aren't willing to pay our yeah, performance fee for for a birthday party. So we play community centers, schools, okay. parks, family festivals. Um, you know, like we play the Folklife Festival here in Seattle every year. And I think part of the success here in Seattle is just the city and the surrounding, you know, yeah. towns and cities, municipalities, if you will really value the arts and music yeah. and have budgets for this kind of thing. And so yeah. I think that's really part of the reason we're, you know, we're so successful. And then, you know, the national thing started happening just, you know, we started going to these independent children's music conventions. They started off in Brooklyn. Who knew there even was? Right. Well, right? exactly. So, and, but just, cool. so, Stuff started popping up, you know, all these yeah. podcasts, independent podcasts about parenting or um, really, wow, to, you know, music for kids, and you know, mm-hmm. it just became a thing, you know, an XM yeah. or not? Is it Sirius or XM now? I always get confused. I think it's XM or yeah. is it Sirius? I don't I remember. Know. Anyway, <laughs> they have a a really popular children's music program. And so it sort of became a national thing, and we started playing nationally. Like, we just got back from South wow. by Southwest. and Yeah, I noticed that. Good for you. Yeah, it was really fun. So, yeah, we've played, you know, pretty much all the major markets again, okay. as, as it were, in the States. And our biggest sort of feather in our cap has been the fact that we just played India in what this past November. Yeah. India? India, we played New Delhi. I know it's it's. Do you have really a hookup wild. over there or something? We, Why did that happen? Do. So he this this dude this guy he's like a promoter. He wanted to put on a family festival in New Delhi, and he wanted some American bands. And he Googled us. <laughs> he Googled you know. Yeah. American children's music, or I'm not sure what he Googled. I should probably oh. ask him. But we came up. <laughs> wow. And he said, "Hey, I'll." I'll pay for your transportation and then even pay for your performance. And we went out there and it was extraordinary. Yeah. It was, that was definitely like one of the highlights of my musical career. Oh, that's great. Wow. Who would have guessed? 
I know. I know. <laughs> With this great. little independent, yeah. you know, kids' bands. Yeah. You know, I, we, it's a kids' band, but really, I mean, you know this. You swap out instead of lyrics and you're Velocity Girl all over again. <laughs> I mean, it's the same yeah. sound. You're just singing about nap time and... Right. You know, science fair and stuff like right. that. Right. And make it too, because I'm done with the science. I built a giant volcano with my dad, but the lava flow just looks so sad. I went to bed, he stayed up till two. Sometimes I just have to tip it up and make it do. sat down and came up with a mission statement or anything like that or brand <laughs> identity yeah. that's really where where we wanted to go from the beginning we wanted to okay. make music that we wanted to listen to with lyrics that were kid friendly but you know won't make parents eyes roll yeah, back in exactly. their head or, or exactly. um <laughs> yeah you know lyrics that would be interesting to to families not just right kids. So that's our yeah that's our goal and I that's the feedback we get. Awesome. Um, so that's we feel really, really proud of that. Great. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you're a music teacher. Is that your regular job? Yeah. So I teach preschool music and movement. Okay. Um, and it's a part-time job right now because I'm still you know my still my kids are still young so I'm sure part-time teaching full-time mom. And yeah, so that the music teacher portion of my career definitely rolled rolled out of the knot. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a very interesting That's continuum. Great. And how often do the knotheads play? So we play probably about seventy shows a year. Um, what really? Yeah, yeah, we play quite. You a could lot. almost make a living just doing that. <laughs> We well, can, I don't know. Don't, I mean, I'm yeah. Guessing. We don't get we don't get paid enough for five members. Okay. To, <laughs> for five members to make a living off of that, but okay. um, so we call it a jobby. <laughs> a jobby. <laughs> yeah, because it's um, you know, it's a hobby in that we love uh-huh. doing it, and it's something that you know gives us great joy and satisfaction and a creative outlet, but it's quite a lot of work. You know, we all still have day jobs. We do yeah. get paid a little bit, which is helpful, but we're definitely not doing it right now for the money. Someone used to give you a children's show. That's what they did with the Aquabats. What's the... Oh, um, I know, yeah. <laughs> what's the... I'm blanking on the show. My kids watch it. What's the... Yeah. What's uh, called? With the, with the black guy and, the, it's, and, the, and all the puppets and... Um, all the kids shows, Team Umizumi, all the kids shows are running through my brain. You can probably, yeah, I, I can't, can't remember what either, the Aquabat one is. Mark Mother's Boz involved. Oh, I'm going to kick myself. But anyway, some station, 
Nick Jr. needs to come give the Not It's a TV show and let you flesh that out. That would be huge. Well, we would, or go we play would on love there. that, and we're, that's definitely on our, you know, on our agenda moving forward. We'd love to have those kinds of opportunities. But we found that just, just keep making the music, really. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's just kind of, you know, I just rewatched Mad Men, and there's this scene yes. where Don Draper is, you know, on a bender, and his friend uh, says, you know, just do the work. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that's such such a great philosophy. Just get in there and, and create something. Yeah. And, you know, you hope for a certain outcome, and it might not go exactly how you had hoped. But if yeah. you're doing the work in creating, I think that can only be positive, whatever sure. the outcome is. Okay, so I want to talk to you about being a parent. Because I, I have three little kids, and they're similar ages, eight, seven, and three. One of the things that I think about a lot, because they're starting to get to that age where they're asking bigger questions, you know, uh-huh. and they want to know about you and who you were when you were a kid and when you were a teenager. And, yeah. And <laughs> so a word that I've always tried to keep with me is foresight. So even when I was younger or maybe in college or during those years when – you know, you make some bad choices along the way <laughs> to remember eventually I'm going to have to, I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to have to, you know, own up possibly to some of this stuff. You were really thinking of that back, back I, in the I day. Did. Yeah. And I'm sure that's, Good I'm sure you. that's my, I'm sure that's my Mormon, Mormon <laughs> upbringing, just riddling yeah. me with guilt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, just be careful, bud. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that's what that is. But yeah, I did. I always tried to. I've always kind of thought that way. But I know that I'm the. Uh, I'm u- unique that way. So, as a rock star, as a mom now, who had at one point been a rock star, how do you view the things, the kind of inform or the wisdom, I should say, the wisdom that you want to pass on to your kids? Yeah. Is it a Follow your dreams no matter what, and you're okay with your kids making mistakes along the way. Are you going to try to avoid that? Do you have a parenting philosophy as somebody who was a rock star and now imparts wisdom, to, especially to little girls? I'm yeah. just curious what you're thinking about that is. Absolutely follow your dreams uh, no matter what. Okay. And with absolute self-respect and yeah you know, consciousness and kindness for yourself and the world around you. You know, I mean, and also I I would hope to impart what I learned, what probably took me 20 years to learn, and I might not be able to teach them this unless they go through it themselves, that, you know, what you dream of in your mind's eye as success might not be exactly how it turns out. Mm -hmm. And that's actually okay, you know. Right could be it could be better or it could just be different but i think you've got to start with yeah follow follow your dreams okay. how could you yeah how could you tell them otherwise even if they're rock star dreams i mean i don't know sure, what kind sure. of level of decadence came into the velocity yeah. girl world but right. you want what's best for your kids but you want them to follow their dreams too and sometimes there's you know there's parts that are unsavory either way yeah. but you're just accept the unsavory that's part of life and follow it? Is that kind of your thinking? Well, what I would hope to teach them, and like I said, I don't know that I can really teach them unless they go yeah. go through it themselves, but I would say 
respect yourself, you know, yeah. and treat your mind and your body well. And, yeah. you know, you have choices. The rock okay. and roll lifestyle, if that's something you want to do, go on tour, that can be really tough on your body. Touring oftentimes involves a lot of drinking and other things. So right. I would, you know, I would say just be smart. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't smart at, at certain times, but, you know, I'm here. And yeah. probably those bad choices I made are part of what led me here. So okay. I will tell them that I, I made mistakes and yeah. I would choose hope that they wouldn't make the same mistakes, but how can I, you know? <laughs> Do you ever wonder how much to share about your mistakes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how specific and sure. you, know, you want to be? That's a tough one, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. If they ask me, they're, they're completely oblivious and not interested at this point. When they're okay. older and they start yeah. understanding the world and more grown-up aspects of the world, if they ask me, I'll tell them. You know, and okay. if, should they want to embark on, uh, you know, being musicians and touring musicians, I will certainly let them know. Yeah. You know. What to look out for. Yeah, what to look out for and the mistakes that I made, and I would hope that they would make better choices. Yeah. Although, like I said, it's like I, <laughs> the right choices where I you made are. are the choices I made, and so that's part of the path. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. It's rare that I've talked to somebody for the podcast who's kind of around my age, have kids my age and stuff like that. So I just wondered what a rock star's perspective on parenting is, especially who's a woman and with two young yeah. girls. And if it's any yeah. different. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. all do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really comes down to just, I will make them aware. Of course, so, you yeah. know, they've got to have all the information and what I'm hoping I'm doing right now with them as young children is that I'm imparting on them that they deserve respect and they yeah. need to treat people with kindness and uh, including themselves. And, yeah. you know, that I, my hope is that I'm, I'm, my husband and I are building a foundation of self-confidence. Good. I mean, that's, Good. that's really just kind of the, the bottom line. And sure. It sure is. as far as where that goes, you know, with, the path that they choose, my hope would be that if they have a baseline of self-confidence and kindness and respect, that they'll go the right direction, quote unquote, (laughs) quote unquote, around the right. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that might be. Okay, so I have two final questions for you. These are questions that I ask pretty much everyone I talk to. And I want to know what, like, your tastiest memory from at any point of your career. And it may not be... You know, did you meet heroes when you were mm-hmm. in Velocity Girl? Did you get to meet some of your rock star heroes? Or did you play a show? Or was it writing a song? Or was it the success of the Nodits versus, you know, being kind of at a low point, wondering where you were going to go? I don't mm-hmm. know. But what is that tastiest memory? Yeah. I do want to know whether it's the tastiest memory or not. I do want to know if you ever met any heroes. That's a separate question. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I want to know what your biggest regret is. Mm. So tastiest memory, I like that uh, that word. I have a very specific memory of playing a festival. It was a weird festival. I don't remember where, but I think it was at a college. And they sort of had dueling stages. And, you know, there were so many bands, like these college festivals. I don't know if you remember, but they would book the weirdest combination of bands. Sure. 
And I think we were playing on this one stage, and across the way, Corn with a K was playing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so... (laughs) At the same time? You know, I don't know if... I can't remember. I think that they had it sort of like a switch-off type situation. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But at that festival, Beck played... Oh, yeah. And, I saw him at one of those big-ass shows. I don't think it was the yeah, same one that I saw you at. I'm trying to remember which album he was promoting, but his performance was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. I was surprised at what an amazing frontman he was. Yes. He was yeah. he was dancing. Like, there was a little James Brown. There was a little yes. Michael Jackson. There was, like, some Bollywood in there yes. like, before people were into Bollywood. You know, I I was you know I, I gosh I could wish I could remember the name of the record he was promoting. It was probably it was, Odelay. Yeah, Either Odelay or Midnight Vultures. Midnight the one Vultures. That came out right after that. Yeah, okay. I think it was. It might have been Midnight Vultures. So it was a record I loved, and uh-huh. his performance was amazing. His band was amazing. Yeah. And I just thought it was so extraordinary of him, and kind of brave to be a. Uh, pop front man like he was yeah. really performing uh-huh. and I just that really had an impact on me uh, I was just like that is some good stuff yeah <laughs> you know so great music you say and that. great front yeah. man person, front person those big ass shows and again Utah not a lot of bands came through there so these big ass shows were a big deal and I went three years in a row and they all kind of blur together I don't remember who played what years or whatever he headlined one of them and it was during Odelay. I don't think Midnight mm-hmm. Vultures had come out. And I had the same feeling because to me, he was the loser guy. I didn't really know what to expect. I, I hadn't quite embraced him all the way yet. I, I knew right. him, but I wasn't. he wasn't like a favorite artist of mine. But same thing. He comes out and he's dancing the robot and he's yeah. and he's like so full of energy. And I just thought, that's him? That's Beck? Right. It knocked me out. I had the same yeah. response. Good for you. Cool. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is he has his especially with that first single, he has this sort of laconic way of singing. And so uh-huh. you're, it was really unexpected and yeah. um, inspiring. So that's your tastiest memory, playing the same kind of festival that he played and being knocked yeah. out? Yeah, and then I would fun. say we, we played the same stage as um, um, Public Enemy, which is hilarious what? that somebody would think to put that together. <laughs> <laughs> yes! It was, an, it was another college show. It's just like... Of course! <laughs> oh, those were good times back then. Yeah. Just throwing everything together like just that. Throw it all in the blender. Yes. Yeah. Oh, killer! I love Public Enemy. Did you ever meet any heroes then? Back then, I mean, I don't really know. What was like the biggest shows you played? Did you play some huge thing in Iceland or something like that? I don't yeah. even know. So we made it to England and Ireland and I think like Belgium. Um, okay. And Germany, actually. We, we did play Germany, I think. We played Glastonbury. Was it Glastonbury? Oh, it was one of the big English festivals. That was amazing. Wow. The radio station I mentioned before, WHFS, which is now mm-hmm. no longer with us, may right. it rest in peace, right. put right. on a, a big festival show at a stadium in D.C. That was probably one of the most amazing shows I've ever played. You know, to 40,000 people. My family yeah. was there. And That's the Velocity Jumbotron. Girl 1993 clip that I mentioned earlier. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. You're that in your green right. pants and white shirt. And, That's right. Yeah. So that was okay. that was extraordinary. 
you know, I don't know. I, at that show, I met quite a few okay. people. I met John Doe. I met... Um, Whoa. Was Iggy Pop there? He might have been. Really? <laughs> um, like Matthew Sweet. Uh, oh, yes. You know, it was just some really good stuff. Yeah. Those are all people that I admired. Honestly, like, my one of my biggest fangirl moments was... And it wasn't just a moment. It was a whole tour. We toured with Belly. Donnelly is one of my heroes. So really, I just was just like a drooling little fangirl that whole oh, that whole tour. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, what's your biggest regret? Regret? Um, Maybe you don't have any, and that's fine. That's I've curious. had a few. Let's see. <laughs> you know, I would say probably overindulgence in the vices of the road. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much as far as I'll go. Okay. You know, that definitely wasn't me all the time. Right. But there was definitely a tour or two where I I was wasn't making some great choices. Don't they all, right? You're young and you're a rock star. So take advantage. Yeah. A rock star ish. Rock star ish. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. (laughs) Ish. Okay. Well good. Uh well this is uh, this this meant a lot to me, Sarah. I'm so glad you talked to me. You've brought a lot of joy in my life for the last 20 years, 22 years. And I've always been curious whatever happened to you. I've always been curious about knowing more about the Velocity Girl story. If I can turn somebody on to Simpatico specifically, but anything by you, I've done my job because I just think you're great. And I'm so glad you gave me some time. I've always wanted to, I've always been in wonder of you. So thank you oh, for thank talking you. to me. You're very welcome, John, and this was a lot of yeah. fun, and I, uh, it's actually a good um, exercise, and, you know, I'm getting older. I'm 47 years old almost, right. and my memory sometimes is <laughs> not what it should be, so I'm like, <laughs> when was that? I really enjoyed going back and, and just remembering all yeah. of that, all of that uh, the, the heyday. There you have it, Sarah Shannon. I really like her a lot. Really interesting to talk to somebody who's closer to my own age, too, about their views on rock. And if you don't know Velocity Girl, go track them down, especially, in my opinion, the second album, Simpatico, but all three are really good. And yes, I know, I know, that children's show I couldn't remember, of course, was Yo Gabba Gabba. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you haven't done it already, please go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. We try to tell the stories that don't get told very often of the bands that deserve more attention. So we put episodes out every Tuesday. Go back into the archives and see if there's other guests that might be of interest to you. There are some that are old that are no longer in iTunes. You can go to our website at thehustle.podbean.com and they're on there. While you're in iTunes, please write us a review. You can find us on Facebook, just like our page. 
and you can communicate with me that way if you want. If there's anyone you'd like me to try and track down and have on the show, or you can send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Huge thanks, as always, to the man, Jan Makevich, for all the wonderful, excellent production work he does every week. Thank you, Jan, for everything you do. Please come back next week, folks. We'll have another guest. We'll talk to you later. 